On this episode of Sessions, we chat with Christy Marchese, founder of Picture Motion, a marketing and advocacy firm for issue-driven films. Tune in as we discuss the origin of the company, how they strategize for their films to truly make an impact, and the importance of storytelling in this day and age. Marchese, the founder and CEO of Picture Motion. Christy, thank you so much for being here. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, awesome. So we always get started with like three quick questions to get to know you. We're going to dive into everything um, that you do with the company you founded, Picture Motion. But more importantly than even that right away is what are you streaming on Netflix right now? Ooh, what am I streaming on Netflix? Oh, my gosh. Now, I wish I was something like a, a bit of a higher caliber, but I'm watching The Last Kingdom. Okay. If anything, um, kind of old English or a bit hi- historical. Um, and my husband's actually watching 13 Reasons Why, and watching him watch 13 Reasons Why, I don't think I can watch it. It's, it's fascinating. It's, he's not the demographic for that series, and yet he was drawn in by what people were saying about it. And his reaction to it has just been what a lot of the news has said, is that this is not for kids. This actually could be damaging. So yeah, that's I mean, I've heard, I, I know there's a lot of heat around the show in positive and negative ways, but that's, uh, that's hilarious that he's watching. Is he enjoying it or is he kind of like hate watching it? Oh, he can't put it down. Like it's, it's hysterical. I feel like we, we like gender swapped our TV or he's watching 13 reasons and I'm on the last kingdom. Uh, but he really was like, he was up late last night watching it and wasn't able to put it down. Um, it's good. So it's great. But at, some, at one point he actually had to just turn away from the screen. Yeah, I definitely can't. I'm not the demo for that. I can't watch it. Yeah, but it's like it's really popular. It's been fascinating to watch. You know, parents have conversations about should their kids watch it. And we worked on a film called The Bully Project years ago. And one of the things we learned um, about that that film, it got one, it got a rated R rating because of the the language in it. But two, we had uh, some problems getting some organizations to uh, support it because studies show that if you show on t- on TV, in video, or in a, in a somewhat explicit way, or even explaining it, how a kid or teenager commits suicide, you're likely to trigger someone to do it. You're more likely than if you didn't. And so, wow. the, yeah, so the series is actually quite controversial in that way. While it raises awareness for, for bullying and suicide, it actually could be causing damage at the same time. Yeah, that is crazy. Well, I wonder, like, long-term how they're going to be able to study that, but... Yeah. I will also point out, as of recording this, yesterday, House of Cards Season 5 came out. Oh, I know. I'm so excited. That's going to be my vacation watch. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Awesome. All right, so next question. What is your victory song? My victory song? Um, So the song I would say that we have in the the office that we would play the most, that we kind of play no matter what, whether you had a victory or you didn't, it's the the Lego movie theme song, Everything is Oh, my gosh. So I would say that's probably our, like, our go-to song. The every, everything is awesome theme song. Everything is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> did you did you happen to catch the Lego Batman movie? I have not seen it. I do want okay. to find on everything. There's just so much content out there. It's almost impossible to stay on top of it. I will say, as someone who thoroughly enjoyed the Lego movie, the Lego Batman movie may be better. What? Yes. 
Oh my gosh, I got to make a list of all this. I love that I'm coming on this show and I'm hearing all these TV shows I need to watch. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, yeah, my, I'm like, watch House of Cards in the Lego Batman movie. My tastes are exotic. Done. <laughs> okay, last question then. What is your pet peeve? Pet peeve. Um, oh my gosh, I have so many pet peeves at the same time. I can't think of any right now. Um, I guess in general, I guess it, and this crosses a bunch of different areas. It's, it's this uh, idea of, of having respect and patience. Um, if you don't have, it, it goes anywhere from having spatial empathy and spatial respect of holding a door open for somebody, um, to when we work with our clients, understanding that we need to, to understand that they've spent a couple of years of their life making their project. We may only get to work on it for a month or up to a year. Um, but understanding and respecting their perspective and where they've come from and always making sure that we kind of, um, put ourselves in a position where they know that and we act in the best interest of their project and of their campaign. It's a, it's a good weird thing that when people don't respect other people's time, respect the work that they put into something, um, respect the space around them. I, I'm, in the, I'm in New York. There's a subway. you got to respect the space for other people. Yeah. Um, that would probably be like a, a broad pet peeve. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like the uh, – gosh, that's like such a big thing, especially in like the world where you're moving like a mile a minute and everyone has so many things going on. It's like – one respecting other people's time in that space, but also like giving them the attention that they deserve when you've set time with them. You know, I think it's always really easy to be distracted um, and, and not give people that, uh, I guess the right, like cognitive respect when they've taken time to come talk to you as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you for uh, letting us get to know you a little bit better. Now I want to dive in um First, on a bit about you and your background, um, again, like I said, we're going to talk about Picture Motion next, but I would just love to hear a little bit about, like, um, you know, what were you doing before you started this company, and how did you get into the industry? Yeah, so we've had Picture Motion for about five years. We actually just had our fifth anniversary. Um, and so what we, what we do essentially is we build impact campaigns for films. Um, and I think we're one of the few or only companies doing it. But the reason why, the way I got into this was it's exactly what I did when I was at Participant Media. Um, I was there for two years. My partner was there for, and co-founder was there for six years. Uh, another person on our team was there for a little bit. And that, that was an entire media company that had one division whose focus was to make sure that while their films would go into theaters or be broadcast on TV, there was a core team of people who ensured that the film made change in some way. Um, and so what we did there, I was really proud of all the work that we did there, but I wanted to do that for other films, for other media projects. Um, it was, you know, we were at a time of, of technical storytelling transition that we were moving from DVDs to streaming. Um, where filmmaking was becoming cheaper, going from big camera equipment to cell phones. There's, when there was more filmmakers, more stories to be told, more voices behind the camera, um, there's kind of an opportunity for us to, to emerge and help these filmmakers uh, get their stories out there, get people to see them, and also create a path for action to create change in some way. Definitely. And so what's like, was there a maybe like a year where you saw that kind of switch over, where you saw like the... I, I guess what, what you're pointing out a little bit is just how, how much access people had to be able to create content. Was there a year when people started, like, because obviously people have been making impact type of things or impact docs and, and, and films for a long time, but did the popularity spike at some point as you've been around it over the past, uh, over the past few years? Yeah, I think that, like, 
the diff- there's difference between like the, the full filmmaker, storyteller, career makers, career filmmakers, um, who then had the opportunity to to go down that path because it w- they had access to technology because it was cheaper or more accessible or you could carry it. Um, then there's just the, the content creators, how we've all become content creators. We've all become much more comfortable. It almost seems silly to think, you know, 15 years ago when you had a, reg- a regular you know, movie camera, would you turn it around, point it at yourself? And you know, make faces at it like we do on Snapchat on a daily basis. Yeah. Um, so we've also we've changed how we interact with that storytelling um, technology. So if I if I like your question of is there like a particular year? Um, and I don't know if I can put my finger on it exactly. Of maybe 2010, 2011, for mm. me anyway. And I think two things trigger that. And one, I think 2000, 2011, 2012 was the year um, filmmakers stopped requiring us to preview their film on DVD. There was this comfort before it was they would not put it up on Vimeo, even if it was password protected or YouTube. There was this fear that the Internet would release their film accidentally. And so we were always like sent DVDs to preview. And it was really time consuming for us just because we'd have to wait three days. We'd have to ship it back. If we lost it, they'd be upset. And suddenly everyone just stopped sending DVDs for preview. So I think there was more of a comfort with putting your film up online around that time. Um, and I think the other thing, which might be a little earlier, I worked at a nonprofit before I was at Participant Media um, I left in 2009 and we made a big part of that nonprofit's um, campaign work was focused on online videos. So it's called Declare Yourself. Our goal was to register voters and engage young people in civic participation. Um, and we, in a way we did that was going where they were at. So they were at MySpace at the time. Funny or Die was launching, Heavy.com, uh, College Humor, all these video sites were popping up that were kind of like America's Funniest Home videos um, where people could put up some funny stuff memes were starting to get created, but also we were really coordinating and producing online videos. Um, There's a woman on our team who really led that effort. And I think at the end of the year and a half, we created something like 70 videos. You can still go to the Declare Yourself YouTube page and see a lot of what we did. Everything from animation to comedy to celebrity to PSAs. Um, And that to me was like a big height of um, of video engagement in 2009. So somewhere in there, (laughs) between 2009, 2012, I felt like there's a big shift. Yeah, I mean, and that's just so interesting to hear about. you know, the, even the reasoning behind that, like you saying, the fact that they didn't they didn't want to put videos up online. Um, and then also maybe even before that, I'm sure you could pinpoint some places where there were people making impact stories and doing it without the backing of studio or the backing of um, any major company, which probably inspired um, a lot in a generation that they could go out and do the same thing. Um, but I think that segues us nicely into you talking about, you know, founding Picture Motion, um, which is a marketing firm for social and impact-driven films. Um, can you tell us a bit about just, like, what your guys' mission statement is um, and, and how you came to actually found it? Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, we want to make sure um, the stories that need to get to- or the stories that need to be uh, heard are heard and that um, they provide a path to action in some way. I'm always terrible at saying our mission statement. I'm five years in, I can never repeat it properly. Um, <laughs> so we always go with the tagline, like, we make sure the films that can change the world do. Um, because there are great films out there, there are great stories, uh, it's become harder and harder to, while there's so much more opportunity, there's more platforms. You can release yourself, you can go to Netflix, you can go in theaters, or many distribution efforts. Um, we, uh, but the, the audiences are diversified. They're no longer just in one place. You don't just turn, no one turns on, shouldn't say no one. It used to be everyone turned into the same news program at the same time, and then the, the same five channels, and then the 50 channels, or the same few local theaters. Now it's everywhere. You can entertain mm-hmm. yourself on Instagram for an hour. Um, so part of it is how do we, you know, how do we attract attention? How do we make sure that the, the, the stories that need to get heard break through? 
And then how do we ensure that a campaign supports that film, supports that piece of media in some way, drive action? And that can range from, you know, if it's, we look at the different types of change and the different types of stories. Sometimes we'll work on a film that's a very moving, personal, empathy-building story about rural poverty. And, you know, you watch that film, you don't think, I'm going to run and call my congressperson, um, or I'm suddenly going to change you know, my behavior. But it might move you and make you think differently about someone. And so later in your life, when approached in a situation, you might react differently. And that's really hard, <laughs> immeasurable change, or it'll change for us to measure. We look at that and say, well, how do we just get this film in front of people, in front of audiences that maybe don't, aren't used to seeing this type of community or this type of person? And then there's activist films. There's the ones that are, are very clear in their mission. There's a specific story that has to get told to drive a particular message home because legislation needs to change. Um, and in, the, in that case, we're like, all right, who are the, the movement leaders, the organizations leading the charge on this? What is the one action people can take? And how do we funnel all activity around the film towards that one action? So it really kind of ranges in the type of work that we do from the type of film, the type of action, and the type of change we want to see. So do you, when you're talking about, I love that the statement of like making sure films that can change the world do, what percentage of the action do you think is really driven by the film and then what percentage do you think depends on the marketing around the film and that piece that you guys handle right like could the right marketing make a subpar film still affect the world or does the film need to be like absolutely dialed and just needs a little push from you guys yeah great questions i don't know if i could break it down into percentage um in some way, we're happy. We're extremely happy. We believe we can still affect change if most people don't see the film but engage in the campaign or the film has some sort of amplified effect. Um, one example, and it's, it's a while ago, but it's the, the most crisp one, and it's one that most people are familiar with, but it was a participant, the movie The Cove. The Cove was a really good film. It was a great film, actually. Um, it was a great documentary. I think it won the Oscar. Um, but it didn't do well in theaters. Nobody went to go see it. It lost so much money at the box office because no one wanted to see a movie about dolphins getting killed, uh, even though that was just a small part of it. But the campaign around it, there was a big social media push. There was a celebrity push. Um, there was great creative. There was a simple call to action. The campaign was incredibly affected. It reached millions of people around the world. And the goal was to shut down this particular cove in Taiji, Japan, where dolphins were being harmed. And it succeeded. And no one saw the film that summer, but everybody heard about it. And so for us, like, we're just as happy, you know, if we can create impact. The film is part of the campaign. It's, part, it's one of the pieces of it. It sometimes is at the centerpiece. Um, and it's the reason we can get press attention. It's where we can get, you know, nonprofit support. Um, things that people are still attracted to film and they understand the concept of, of that type of linear storytelling. Um, but it doesn't mean people necessarily have to see it. On the flip side of that, the reason why we work in film is we believe in the power of storytelling. So we all say, like, we could work at any nonprofit. Um, we all could go focus on the issues we care about. But we really believe that film is a powerful empathy-building and action-driving um, tool for change. And so that's why we choose to work in it. Yeah. And so what what do you think it was that drove you towards that, like, uh, I don't know, the, the empowerment of empathy? Like, because obviously with this type of, the type of work that you do, you could be working on, like, much more lighthearted, like Minions 2 or Minions 3 or you know, whatever. What do you think would just continue to drive you in this direction? I would love to work on Minions 2 and Minions 3. I can definitely come up with a campaign for that. <laughs> we'll come up with a social, it, it, we'll come up with a social slant to that. We'll come up with that by the end of this podcast. Yeah. Uh, I think part of it is, it's, I think anybody who gets into any form of activism, there's something that motivates them in some way. There's something that triggered them. 
Um, there's something they felt, something they saw or something they experienced. Um, and I think for me, um, for me, what it was, was just like seeing different people. I grew up in a pretty homogenous town, great town. I love my family. I love my hometown. Um, but it was kind of limited in, in scope and opportunity and diversity. And so I think like minimal exposure to something different, um, different points of view, getting outside, um, meeting new people, traveling a little bit and suddenly seeing things were different. Um, it's, it sounds cheesy, but it was eye opening for me. And I was lucky that I was able to go backpacking and like, I went to, you know, I got scholarships and went to a Jeep college and was able to use that money to do other things outside my city. Um, then not everybody has that opportunity. So how do you bring that in house? So how do you introduce people to people not like them to issues they wouldn't have access to? And this is, you know, a while ago, like before the internet was as ubiquitous as it is now. But I think it's almost even more important to figure that out because now that we have access to all this information, anything we want to know at any time, we are then using platforms like Facebook, um, to some extent, Twitter and Instagram that are then starting to curate information towards us based on already belief or beliefs that we already had. So it's almost like we're back trapped in our small towns where we didn't have access to anything because we didn't have information or we had to wait till things were brought to us. Now we've constructed our own small towns uh, and our digital footprints. So part of our part of what we're trying to figure out is like, okay, well, how do we now break through again? How do we how do we connect people with new stories? Um, so to answer your question in the long way, like it was for me meeting new people, seeing it, being exposed to different points of view, and having that affect how I I saw the world. Um, and we want to figure out how to bring that to other people. Wow, I mean that I really love that kind of analogy about constructing your own small town. It's like you got the opportunity to get out of the one you were born in and, and make one where everyone actually thinks the same thing as you. And that's like, obviously I think more apparent in the last six months than, than it was even before. Um, but moving, I, I mean, moving a little bit more into the specifics of how you guys support films, like what are the different ways that picture motion gets involved on projects? What are the different, I, I guess I'm, um... The simplest way is we, we get involved right around post-production. So once the film is, you know, almost done, um, you have the story pretty much set and you're just in editing and tweaking and you're getting ready to release at a film or look for a film festival premiere. That's when we like to come in. We don't like to come in too early because we don't want to affect how the story is told. Um, we are not filmmakers. We want to leave that to the creatives. Um, and it's, we believe story should be first, um, work at, work on making a good film and then we'll handle it afterwards. And sometimes what makes a good film isn't, you know, doesn't have to be an Oscar winner. It could just be exposing something that hasn't been exposed before. It could be the right story that, you know, that particular nonprofit community really needs right now to help their campaign. Um, so any, you know, we look at different factors to decide, you know, what's a good film or what's good for that issue before taking it on. And then the range of stuff we do is we love strategy. So we have, okay, we have this film. We have to work within a particular timeline because there are kind of set timelines for films. Um, and we got to figure out who we work with and who we reach and uh, how we put that whole thing together, how we get it funded, uh, and then how we implement it. And where we really grew was on the implementation side. Um, while strategy is fun, it's uh, almost anybody can come up with ideas. Anybody can come up with a great idea. It's can you actually implement it? And so that's where the campaign really kind of comes to life is within the struggle of making it happen. So for for every time we play you know the song everything is awesome we're probably saying the word pivots because you go down a certain path and then realize this isn't working it's not hitting the right audience we're just preaching the choir let's pivot what do we do now and I think we're lucky that we get to work with a lot of filmmakers who kind of understand that we're seeing distributors come on board more um, and now that we've built really good relationships kind of allow us to do that and kind of put the campaign in our hands it's really interesting because we. Um, 
we think that like the shapeshift report that we do in the sessions podcast is really about helping people brands tell their story and individuals tell their story so we really line up on the fact that you guys do the same thing right you're supporting people who are trying to tell stories um through film through the medium of film um and so uh, i guess what i would ask is how do you go and, and really try and support and expand on those people's stories because a lot of the time they're coming to you with a relatively finished product or an almost finished product and it's and it comes across to me like your goal is to say like okay how do we articulate your story or help you articulate the story now in a different place right through whether it be printed items whether it be through the PR online um, how do you approach kind of breaking down those individual stories and packaging it in the most effective way yeah, I think part of it is we ask a lot of questions, you know, of the filmmakers, of the distributors, of the funders. You know, what what are your what are your goals here? Why did you make this? What was your intention? Um, and my favorite is, you know, you look back two years from now or two years from now, look back at this film. What do you want to say has happened or that you did that you inspired? Um, and so we start with a lot of question asking and then break it down from there. And then it's really audience targeting. Okay, who is the audience that already supports this? That will buy a ticket? That will tune in? That will be your ambassador and your advocate? And then who is the audience that we actually need to reach to affect change? So we worked on one called, um, so my, always my favorite example, at least in the last year, called Do Not Resist, which was about the milita- militarization of our police departments, mm-hmm. um, which is it's, it's great, it's powerful, um, and it's you know, accepted by you know, the protest community, the Black Lives Matter communities and activists, but they already accept this. Um, they already know these stories. Um, mm-hmm. People who don't know this are police communities. Um, or small towns or neighborhoods that really want the police to have this extra force without um, the full knowledge and understanding of its effect and actual impact on the community. So it it took a lot of work and it's a lot harder, um, but it took like phone calls one by one reaching out and asking police departments to screen it, asking the police foundation to take a look at it and asking communities who would immediately reject it to just take a minute and see if we could get them to watch it. And we did. I think we only ended up having maybe 10 or 15, maybe 20 screenings by now with police departments, but those 20 screenings with police departments, I think will have a greater impact than the 200 we could have done with liberal on liberal college campuses or with communities that were already you know in support of the messaging. Yeah. Pre- like the preaching to the choirs. I mean, totally, totally agree. And I think to your, to answer your question, like that takes, we have, sometimes that takes coaxing of the, of the filmmakers because they want, and the, and the uh, funders and often brands that we work with, they like numbers. They want to see reach. Um, but I think, you know, we, we have this problem across the board in marketing and advertising. You know, what does an impression count if it's just an impression um, and if it's to somebody that doesn't matter? And if the person already agrees with this, are we creating change in any way? Why not take the time and the resources and the funding to focus on those communities that may be resistant? Um, we think that'll create a better impact. And while the numbers might be smaller, the impact would be greater. Yeah. And so you've talked about a few different causes. What, what would you say, like, do you have one cause or one area that's like most near and dear to your heart? Uh, I think women's reproductive rights specifically are important. I, part of it's just because they've been, they've been slowly being chipped away at for like the last five, almost 10 years. And there's such, I mean, you can probably guess by the work we do, I tend to be a little bit more liberal left leaning, uh, but there's just been such an organized concerted effort um, brilliantly by the right uh, to chip away at these rights and just severely reduce the number of centers uh, available for, to women. And now we're seeing it uh, on a higher level, on a federal level with our new president. 
So I think it's that's the most important to me because I've just been watching it get chipped away and I haven't seen enough of an effort. I mean, the organizations that are leading this narrow, Planned Parenthood, they're all doing a fantastic job, but it's a, it's a big it's a big effort. So I care a lot about that one. And that's why I'm, I'm thrilled that we're working with Birthright. Um, it's Birthright, A War Story is the name of the film that's focusing on the broad range of reproductive rights um, that are under attack. Yeah, I was, I was about to follow up and ask you what what project people could watch or could check out that that talks about that issue but yeah so birthright is there anything else that is in that uh, around the same cause that you think is a great project i think i really love gender revolution it's the katie kirk documentary on national geographic and it's been such a it's been an interesting campaign to work on because when we bring that film you know to 18 year olds um freshmen on college campuses they watch it and they're like, this is common sense. This is the most generic thing we've ever seen. Like, obviously, we use they, their, theirs. Obviously, trans is a term. And then you bring it to older communities and they're like, this is mind-blowing. I had no idea this existed. And you see there's just such a divide. Um, but this film has been a great way to bring these communities together. So when we did um, a college campus screening tour, we asked every LGBT group that was hosting hosting the screening, you know, the community that already believes in it, already accepts it, and is bringing it into their network, that they had to invite uh, adults, conservative groups called Republican groups. They had to invite other groups that were outside of their group already. Otherwise, it was just going to be preaching to the choir again. So I really love that film. And I think it was very instructional um, and very like appealing to an audience that may not understand or is afraid to ask questions because Katie Kirk asks all the questions you don't, you don't want to ask. <laughs> mm-hmm. From the Ashes is a great film. Um, I think it'll be on Nat Geo in a few weeks. It's in theaters right now. It's Michael Bloomberg produced um, and it basically talks about like why you know we need to get rid of these last thirty thousand coal mining jobs. They are not you know it's an opportunity to create a hundred thousand new renewable energy jobs. So it's it's very smart um, and very interesting. That is interesting. I, that's like this. I feel like coal mining is like this incredibly small. Um, what seems like a small issue to a lot of us that is like getting talked about so so much right now. Yeah. And something that, like, even to this morning, there's like a headline on CNN about coal about coal mining jobs. So that would definitely be interesting to watch because it feels like there's so many issues that are pulling more than their weight as far as like the amount of coverage they're getting and how many people they affect. Um, but yeah. yeah, that was one that I feel like I haven't thought about in a long time. No, you're totally right. That's exactly what's happening. Yeah. So uh, going like a little bit broader. As an entrepreneur, um, you're someone who's obviously like jumped into an industry that's relatively hard to get into film, um, something that a lot of people care about with the social impact. Is there anything that when you look at like people who are looking to, they have a cause and they want to make a difference around it or they want to support in some way because they know there's like so much at stake right now and so much going on they just don't know how like is there any advice from the entrepreneurial side that you have that you think is really important for people to keep in mind going into either end of the spectrum yeah i think um well i think naivete and audacity work in your favor um mm-hmm. uh, i wish you know if i if i'd known how hard it was going to be or um how much work it would take i think you know at the beginning i wouldn't i wouldn't have started it's absolutely worth every effort. Um, it's, it's so incredibly rewarding. I love the work that we get to do. Probably work twice as much and twice as hard as I would at a regular job. So it's absolutely worth it. Um, I think the advice would be um, hire people smarter than you and better than you. <laughs> work with people that you want to aspire to be um, and, and, and support them. Give them what they need uh, to succeed and empower them. 
I really, I love my team. I think I work with the most amazing people. I have an incredible partner. Um, and I think, you know, I love that we've now hired, I think three of our interns over time. Like they started, oh, awesome. you know, they, yeah, one's been there for five years and one will start next week. <laughs> nice. That's awesome. I love hiring interns is like, is like the best success story. If you're like, we found, we found you or you found us. We like cultivated this together and now we're, and now you're going to help us grow. That's an amazing feeling. It is. And it's like, it's, and you know, we, every time we interview someone, we're like, we can't promise you anything. We definitely don't hire interns. And yet we've like hired three. So now I'm just yeah. out there. <laughs> well, low expectations, always a good thing. Yeah, exactly. um, so I, I mean, wrapping up a little bit, what are the, like a couple projects that you guys are working on that you're really excited about that people can either go look at right now or that are coming down the line? Uh, the one I'm really excited about because the announcement just went out today um, is a film called We Go Higher. It's the, we believe so far, the first ever documentary um, and multimedia project created about the kids of 9-11 by the kids of 9-11. There are 3,051 kids that were between 0 and 18 years old uh, when 9-11 happened and lost a parent in one of the plane crashes. So it's led by 18-year-old Delaney Clow, um, who lost her father and her two uncles. And kind of the, the inspiration and the impetus for this is, one, learned, she, by you know being a part of another film, saw film and storytelling as part of a healing process. Two, um, she's lost the most family, uh, of, I believe, anyone else. And so she constantly is hit up by press. A tra- her personal tragedy is like on display every year. Um, and then three, motivated by our current president, um, seeing that watching how 9-11 keeps getting used to, to pass policy, to create wars. And so she's kind of like leading a charge and rallying um, these, this group of 3,000 to say, like, you know, if I can use the word, don't hijack our story. This is not the yeah. story. The American story yeah. is resilience and what we're doing now and, and openness and acceptance. Um, so she wrote an op-ed today in USA Today that's really powerful, and the film starts production in July. So, oh. yeah, well, we normally don't get involved this early. It was so important for Delaney and Sarah Bordeaux, the filmmaker, the, produce, the producer, um, and Mike Campo, the co-director, to engage this community in a really meaningful, um, authentic way and empower them to participate. And because a lot of what we do is community organizing and mobilizing, we're kind of leading the charge on that. No, that I mean that's going to be awesome. So that should be out. Is it going to be the end of the year or the beginning of next year? Well, I think it'll probably start festivals. Hopefully, knock on wood, at the beginning of next year. Production starts July. Hopefully, wrap September. Edit through the end of the year and premiere next year. Nice. Well, we'll we'll look out for that and we'll definitely talk about it when it comes out. Um, so, last question in closing. We really appreciate the time um, and thanks for telling us all about what you what you're doing at Picture Motion, how you started, and and, and letting us into your story a bit. Um, but to pivot, if you could pursue any other career, so you get a chance to do whatever, and like, you know, if your dream was always to be like a balloon artist, that could be totally fine too, right? You don't have to think too, too much about the money of the whole thing. If you could pursue any other career, what would it be and why? Oh yeah. I'd be a doctor. That's it. Be a doc- <laughs> what kind of doctor? I don't know. Probably general okay. practitioner. Something that actually needs that we actually need right now. Um, cause we have enough specialists out there. Maybe I just, I think I just maybe watch too much Grey's Anatomy and media has really an impact on me. Uh, but I think like it's one of the most admirable jobs. It's a, it's a nece- uh, necessary job. I think I'd be curious what be- becoming a doctor would be like now, especially given the way the pharmaceutical industry is, given our healthcare industry, um, you know, our insurance company industry. There are so many layers piled on top of doctors, uh, piled on top of the care that they have to give. Um, part of me is also just curious what that experience would be like. But also, yeah. you know, it's an incredible gift to be able to help people in that way. 
Awesome. Well, Chrissy, thank you so much for taking the time to come and be on the podcast today. Yeah, thank you guys so much for having me. All right, guys, thanks for listening. Uh, remember, you can reach us anywhere on social channels at Shapeshift Report as well as at We Are Matt Black. Thanks for listening. Bye.